Welcome to Zach to the Future. I'm your co-host, Dashiell Driscoll, joined today by Mark Paul Gossler. Hello, Mark Paul. Hello, Dashiell. How are you on this day? Just another day in paradise, my friend. Another hot day in paradise. It another is, hot day. It's... It might actually be the hottest day paradise has seen in a long time. <laughs> it's sweltering out there. It is. Uh, it is sweltering out there, uh, but not so much in here. And in here, Mark Paul, we're going to be talking about Aloha Slater. Aloha Slater. Episode, what, what episode is this? This is Dashiell? episode six. And six of the original yeah. um, season two on your streaming Your streaming platform of choice. Platform of choice. Yes. So this was actually in production. This was the seventh episode you shot and was the final one of your original seven episode order. So this was kind of going to be like the finale, sort of. Um, But when it aired, it aired as episode six. Okay. And we should also note that we have a very special guest this week. You were able to catch up with the Slater from Aloha Slater, <laughs> Mario Lopez. Yes, the Slater. I was able to have a great chat with him. Um, you'll hear throughout the episode. That is very exciting stuff. But before we get to that, did you do your homework? Of course. Of course you did. I'm a good student. I Oh, I'm very familiar with that. But just in case you're listening and you didn't, here is a brief summary. Zach's upset after being upstaged by Slater's wrestling trophy and the attention from Kelly that comes with it. Slater's dad tells Belding he's taking a military job in Hawaii and bringing Slater. Slater doesn't want to go since he likes Bayside. Screech spies on the meeting and tells Zach he'll have no chance with Kelly if Slater sticks around. So Zach hatches a plan to convince everyone Slater's dying from a rare disease and they have to be mean to him so he'll seek treatment in Hawaii. It works. Until Kelly volunteers to go with him and reveals Zach's plan to Slater, who hatches a revenge scheme. Slater asks Zach to talk his dad out of Hawaii, which is just a setup to terrify Zach into confessing. Everyone throws Slater a farewell luau at the max. Zach returns Slater's trophy he said was destroyed. Slater reveals he knew what was happening all along. And the girls are disgusted, having been used for his twisted game. The end. Directed by Don Barnhart. We're back to Don, yeah. Directed by Don Barnhart, who has been discussed at length, (laughs) directed almost all of these, and it was written by Michael Swerdlick. And act one begins. We are at the max, and this is Zach coming in to say he won a ribbon uh, in cross country, so referencing again that that quiz from the first episode. Uh, And we get Slater just immediately dominating Zach with a a pretty much comically large trophy, which which feels, you know, on brand with with Mario's physicality at the time. It's funny, just to, just to nail the point that we actually played sports, I come in wearing my track suit. Right. Um, track suits now are more like quarantine leisure wear, but you were wearing a track suit <laughs> having just come from a track. Correct. Yeah. I didn't bother to change, and, and Slater comes in wearing his um, wrestling, what do they call those, unitards? Uh, I think or, they're singlets. Singlets. I think singlet is the industry term for uh, what Slater's wearing. See, I'm not a wrestler. Yeah, me neither, but uh, I, I heard it from wardrobe before. <laughs> and also, just a fun little, uh, fun little Easter egg, Screech mentions an ALF lookalike contest. He came in, I believe, fifth place. You were actually the lead-in show for ALF at the time on Saturday morning. Oh, ALF was on Saturday morning. ALF was on Saturday morning, NBC, right after you guys. You were at 1130. ALF was high noon. Huh. Yeah, there you go. Little fun, little fact. Huh. And uh, in the next scene in the hallway, something I have never noticed before but immediately caught my attention, Kelly is holding a duster. Yeah, I did noticed you, did that. Did you catch that? I did catch that as I was watching this. She, she never uses it. 
Uh, no, I think I think it must have cut something out. From it the must beginning. have been a it must have been a joke that like she is so in love with Slater and his trophy that she's dusting it. But they yeah they must have cut it. So instead, you just have Kelly like oddly holding this thing. Now, are the lockers a different color than from the other episodes we've watched? They look almost orange, orange here. Right. Aren't and they supposed to be red? They are red. Maybe it was, I mean, I don't know if it was like the lighting, but yeah, they, they are generally redder than they appear here. No, I'm, I think that, I, see, and this, this makes me think like the, the shows were shot out of sequence or yeah. aired out of sequence. Correct. Um, and we were adjusting things on this show as we were going. Like, I think we're getting notes from the network saying, mm, the, the, the tones in the hallway look a little muted. Let's, let's liven it up a little bit. And then they would maybe change the color of, of, the, um, of the hallway. Because this hallway, that trophy case isn't there. Isn't, right, yeah. Isn't, uh, it's not there all the time. It's not there it's, all the time. And Belding's office kind of moves around in the show too. Like, well, that's interesting you say that because Belding's office is just to the left of that trophy case. It's where it is in for the, rest, for the bulk of the series. The bulk of the series. Yeah. It's right there. Yeah. It's, it's the door. I mean, it's the door just to the left of this uh, awards case. Right, which later in almost every other day is lockers. But yeah, I think there's an episode we watched already where Belding like, leaves his office. I think it's the one where um, it's, it's the Lisa card. He leaves his office and he comes from one of like the back hallways. So there was, they, they were kind of figuring out the geography uh, of, the, of the campus. So where the, when he talks to the receptionist and there's jokes where you know, the receptionist in the, in the previous episode, yeah. uh, that she, that, where's her office? Yeah, I guess there. There, you would imagine more like Miss Bliss. There was kind of like an administrative hub uh, in those in in Indiana, but you never really see that at Bayside. I'm not really sure where those those people are. We never see like a teachers' lounge or anything like that. No, no. And we also get in this scene Mario choking Dennis, and boy, oh boy, does it look like his head is about to just <laughs> fly off his shoulders. I don't think that's a wrestling move. We'll have to ask Mario. When we talk to him, yeah, that I, that that's like you're subduing somebody with that with that that hold. Subduing is yeah. If you use restraint, you might actually be in the process of murdering someone. And and you mentioned um, the lockers moving around. There was also some trash can moving where you would regularly like sit atop a trash can by the steps, but they had to move that over for the water fountain. Yeah, they, well, they they moved it over so you could like be on your. Uh, like garbage thrown to throw away your ribbon. Oh, right, because sometimes the 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 can would be next to the stairs. It was usually next to the stairs, and when and you, yeah, yeah, so yes. the, there was a drinking fountain, right, where that trash can is. Yeah, but they had to just move everything around to give you like the optimal view of this trophy case, which we uh, never see again. Thank God, I thank don't want God. To see any more trophies? You don't, you don't need that. Slater has, and uh, Slater screw Slater. Oh, okay. Well, you know, you can. Well, thank God, Mario's going to be around to talk about that. You can. And what's you can, up with this light bulb? Uh, it's just fun, like cartoon stuff. Uh, you know, kind of like the um, the Dutch angle thought bubble pink circles from a couple episodes. Do you ago. think this was like a Don Barnhart request? He was like, "I need." I mean, look, Alf is up next. We gotta really bring it. So yeah, give me give me some cartoon thought bubble. Was this one of those like- things that we were just trying out to see how how it would how the response we'd get from the audience? Yeah, I mean, you you I would imagine so. And when at the time of shooting this, nothing had aired yet, so you guys were really in the experimental phases of, uh, let's just try to make it work. 
So I get to interview you for the very first time. Yeah, this is uh, this is kind of cool. I, I like uh, to see you in this uh, in this light. <laughs> the tables have turned, my friend. This is not this is not necessarily <laughs> your wheelhouse. So I'm very proud this of you. This is not my to wheelhouse. Step out of your yeah. comfort zone. Very good. So I've been rewatching these shows, and something that completely stands out. I always knew this about you, but it, it, it's it's it, I'm looking at it through a different lens. But you're a natural. Um, you're a natural host. You're 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 a showman. I mean, you're really good at at what you did on the show. Oh, um, thank you very much. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm just noticing like they kind of wrote to, towards your strengths. I mean, you were a wrestler. Yeah. Well, you, if you remember, that's I do remember this vividly. They they had um, us write down a bunch of. Uh, our interests or hobbies, um, uh, skills, if you will. So, you know, my mom, just because uh, growing up in Chula Vista, not necessarily the most upscale neighborhood, it was uh, a lot of potential for trouble. So my mom's whole theory was to keep me as busy as possible so I didn't have time to get into trouble. Um, so, And plus I was a hyper kid, so I was like the only dancing, wrestling, karate, theater kid that I knew. So I had an activity literally every day after school. Um, so it, it worked because I didn't have time to get into trouble. And, you know, there was a lot of the kids in my neighborhood and cousins and what have you that uh, they ended up kind of turning into a mess. But because I, I was able to do all that stuff, uh, I, I pretty much avoided trouble or any kind of serious trouble, I should say. And so when when they asked us, well, you know the character, uh, or, or when they asked us, "What, what, what do we like to do?" So I remember I wrote it down. I wrestled, I danced, I played the drums, I did all this stuff, and then they ended up incorporating it into the character because I remember the breakdown. I can't remember. I can't believe I remember this, but I remember the breakdown for Slater. He was supposed to be this Italian kid that was really, in its head, like in the vein of Vinnie Barbarino, which was um, John Travolta's character in Welcome Back, Cotter. So he was supposed to be more like just kind of a street kid and uh, uh, just kind of a little bit more of like a bad boy, not an athlete at all. Like I was the athlete in real life, so then they incorporated it into that, so it kind of like morphed into that. But he was, I remember the breakdown specifically, and it was like Vinny Barbarino, John Travolta, and he was more like a street kid like that. So there was an element of that, but it wasn't all about that. You were 15, I think, in this episode of um, Aloha Slater, and you were taking down a grown man. Do you remember taking down uh, Dennis Haskins, Richard, uh, Mr. Belding, with a with a chokehold? You basically you you drop him with like some sort of knee uh, behind his knee kick, and then you almost do a rear naked choke on him. But you have your your left arm tucked under his armpit. Yeah, and then you have like a choke on him. Do you remember doing that? Time? That's funny. It's, it's it's not a it's not like a jujitsu move. It's more like a a restraining move. Yeah, yeah. I probably yeah. I vaguely, but I'm sure you pitched that. I'm sure that was your, you know, you, you choreographed that that uh, fight. Yeah, I remember. Well, I like like when we had our fight. I love that. A lot of people. I take pride in like a lot of people liked our fight. Remember we had. I oh, we're not there yet. Was. We can't jump ahead. Okay, we'll jump, jump ahead. To, yeah. All right, I won't I, go there. Yet. I, 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 go there yet. I have to get you on for that one because Slater and Zach always had this um, competitiveness about them. Was that was that in the scripts? Do you remember that being? Um, for, you know, written for us, or was yes. that something that you and I just had this natural thing where you know boys will be boys, basically? No, we we always got along real well. We never had. I never felt that, and I, I thought everything was real cool. That no, that was written on on purpose because they always wanted some sort of love triangle. Um, 
with uh, you and I and, and uh, Kelly, right? And then uh, at some point, it, it sort of transitioned. I ended up hooking up with uh, with Jesse. Kind of. Did I ever? I guess I did kiss her. Shoot, I can't remember. But I, I transitioned to, I remember, for, to, to Jesse. But I initially, especially the first season, it was about the um, that love triangle. And so that's where I think it started. We've now watched six episodes, and I wonder why why I ever end up with Kelly, because like I said, Slater is like the total package. In Dancing to the Max, you guys are amazing dancers. You're a great dancer. And then you play the drums in one of the other episodes, and you know, you're just like you 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 have everything. And then you win this the wrestling thing. It's like, yeah, it's no surprise that that Kelly's all over That's you. Funny. Mom's classes paid off, I guess. <laughs> So in the uh, Belding scene with uh, Major Slater, yes, he says that he's uh, Belding says he's from the Fighting Fifty Fifth, yeah, which I'm, is the National Guard in Indiana. So we do get a little bit of acknowledgement that Miss Bliss happened, that he was from Indiana in some capacity, but we just learned he had a Viet Cong girlfriend a couple episodes ago. So it kind of kind of raises the question: like, what is it? Don't you guys discuss this in the writers' room? I mean. I certainly would. I don't know how, how <laughs> I don't know how long the conversation would last, but it it my it almost feels like Belding's stealing valor. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw that <laughs> accusation out that maybe Belding is stealing valor. He also says Bayside never won anything at sports, but there's like trophies in the case and trophies in his office. So so like what is it? What is it, Belding? I think those are his personal trophies. We also get Screech in the filing cabinet here, which is a. Uh, do you have any thoughts on how the human body might be able to do what it appears Screech is doing? I don't even want to go there. You don't think? I mean, it, it would, you'd certainly almost have to like disassemble. I mean, that's, an, that's a, we talked about bad magic a couple episodes ago. That's good magic. This is like cool magic tricks, like being able to pop your head out of a filing cabinet. I mean, is it, you just take out the, the bones of a filing cabinet and he just stands in there. I don't think the filing cabinet's bones are the ones you're going to need to remove to make that happen. I, mean, it's, <laughs> <laughs> My, I, I, I kind of got creeped out by um, Mr. Belding when he says uh, that, uh, you know, he's popular with the girls too. Right. Uh, and his next sentence is uh, that he gets almost as many whistles around the pool as, as Slater does. He, yeah, I mean, he's mm. be- Belding is like, he's basically bragging about teenage girls, mm, yeah. like catcalling him. If I really did not pick up on this as a casual viewer, but now watching these in order, uh, which has been such a fun journey so far, sincerely, uh, he really talks a lot about his like past sexual conquests. <laughs> like, like if you if you're in Belding's office for more than thirty seconds, he's probably going to tell you about like he's going to allude to a time he had sex as a younger man, which seems like just a very odd way to you know rap with the youth. And why is Slater still wearing his singlet? Like, isn't wrestling a pretty dirty sport don't you want to shower directly after i know i do jujitsu i know mario does jujitsu as well and the minute i'm done i i take a shower i i'm I'm worried about ringworm i'm worried about mat things on the mat living on me wow he's still wearing his singlet like it's gross uh no yeah you i mean it is kind of funny like it's like the people who carry around like a motorcycle helmet into the wherever they're going to be like look at me i i really do ride this thing like it is odd that he feels the need to be in his sports gear all the time. What I do remember, which is so funny, and it wasn't just in this episode, but in other ones, they used to, for some reason, have me wear my singlet, which is the yes, wrestling uniform. I brought that up. You wore your singlet through that entire episode. It wasn't by you. It was the whole episode. I knew I wore it at some point, but it wasn't <laughs> just that. Episode. I remember I used to wear it a lot, but it wasn't by choice. And I used to tell him, yo, 
This is not how you do it. The only time I wore my singlet like in real life is like if I had um, uh, a dual meet or a tournament like after school and like in fifth or sixth grade, I'd put it under my pants or, you know, whatever you were wearing and then I'd kind of go because if I didn't have time to go or like whatever, like that, some of the rest of us did that. But in this episode, I think I had it on like through the whole thing or I had it on a lot. <laughs> I just remember, I'd just be rocking it like it was a regular outfit. <laughs> it was the weirdest thing. <laughs> Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. Time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Dustin, I feel like in this scene, again, we always talk about him breaking character, almost on the verge of laughing. I get a hint of that every time he pops his head out because he gets a really reaction from the audience. Yeah. And I think he plays with that. Um, but I think Major Slater is a, is, a, is a fine father. Yeah, well, I mean, like, you he mean... He gives Slater a choice. He's like, look, son, uh, you know, I have four days. I got to tell my commanding officer whether we're going to Hawaii or not. It's up to you. Yeah, that is that is like very um, progressive parenting for this kind of like you'd think very you know dominating military dad. He's he cares. I mean, it, it's really like him and Slater uh, against the world kind of vibe. So we go into the bathroom again. Um, I've I noticed that the uh, the walls have been cleaned up. All the graffiti off the walls have been taken off since the the previous episode. Yeah, the there's there's that, that graffiti's gone, but there's actually new graffiti on the wall. And I took special note of every single name, uh, almost in a little effort to do some like detective work, because you said producers would put names up there almost as like inside jokes or kind of like insinuations, perhaps. Uh, and one name I recognized is Franco, Franco Barrio, who is a producer on, exact producer on the original as well as the new Saved by the Bell. Uh, but there were a couple other names that stood out to me. And I, I wonder if you could connect any of these dots. There's a Mark plus Sue with a question mark in a heart. Hmm. Now I see that, Mark Paul, and I think Mark plus Sue in a heart question mark seems to imply maybe there was something going on between a Mark and a Sue on set. Maybe. Maybe there was like some kind of, some kind of secret romance happening. Ooh, I don't know about mark. that. I don't, I don't know if you could, could you pull that off? Could, could art department actually do that? Wouldn't that be an HR thing? I don't know. To, to, well, there's, to put that out there if it wasn't true. Well, but it's, that's where the question mark comes in. It's like, this what do we This is the know? 90s though. This yeah. is the 90s. We could do anything we wanted to. And there were two marks on set and one Sue. There was Mark Fetterman, a production coordinator, and Mark Fink, a creative consultant. And Sue was the assistant to either Peter Engel oh, or Franco. You're starting rumors that I- I, 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 did the, I did the work. I saw the graffiti and no one thought anyone would connect these dots, but I am, 
I'm doing the pointless work. <laughs> so, Mark, Sue, if you're out there, I know what you were up to back then. And uh, <laughs> oh, God. you should, you know, I hope, I hope you're happy together and I hope no one got hurt. <laughs> I, I, oh, I don't even want to go there. What if they were married and you're. What if I just, what if like, you they, just their, their kids hear this? Yeah. They're like, oh my God, I, I knew it. I knew all along that Auntie Sue was like having an affair with dad, my dad, Mark. Uh, well, sorry. Uh, maybe, maybe art department shouldn't have been so cavalier with the graffiti. Also, Screech mentions, uh, Screech mentions, call me a Smurf. Little, uh, little Mark Paul career crossover there. I don't think they knew anything about that. No, I know. Smurfs just, were big. It was no, Saturday no, morning just, too. You, you also, Smurfs were your lead in. Smurfs aired oh, 90 really? minutes before Saved by the Bell. Yeah. Yeah. Then we open up in the next, uh, in the next scene, Bayside Classroom, yeah. Act 2, Study Hall. Yeah. Uh, Kelly with her volleyball, just, just so we could nail that into the viewer, um, that she played volleyball. Right. She well, was all American. If you don't carry it around, like, how do I know? And were you at all surprised by how quickly Zach turns here from like, oh, I need, Slater really should go to Hawaii based on Screech's guidance, which is rare, by the way, that Screech like guides Zach, usually the other way around. But were you at all surprised that Zach immediately is like, ah, I know what to do, convince everyone that he's dying? Are you questioning the logic of the show? I'm not questioning the logic so much as like the speed. That's a, that's a very quick jump. To be like, how do I get rid? You're questioning that now, episode six. Yeah, I mean, oh, okay, that that's correct. Yeah, the 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 lockers all swinging open for an auction, twins buying boots one at a time. That stuff I get, but to just it's a, it's a very advanced scheme. These kids are like geniuses in this realm. Yeah, mumbio quadrilationosis. Right. Try saying that a few times. I can't even. I'm not even going to try to say it once. Yeah, I, you really shouldn't. I really have a hard time with a lot of words. And uh, this, of course, leads Jesse, who is like wisely not immediately buying this thing mm-hmm. to go to building. Um, and it's another fun building office scene. Do you know, do you know that uh, Mark Diamond, Dustin Diamond's father, hmm. is- Wait, the- you're saying there's another Mark? <laughs> oh yeah, God, Mark and Sue. Yeah, I is mean, that, I'm, t- I'm telling could you. Could it be Dustin Diamond's dad? I don't know, I don't know. Sue. We gotta, like, <laughs> I think we might have some special guests coming up because I'm gonna crack <laughs> this case by, by the time the sun sets on this one. But Mark Diamond is the actor who pro- portray, uh, portrays the, um, the teacher in this uh, study hall. Oh, really? He yeah, you didn't in. know that, did I you, Dashiell? No, I didn't. Oh, I was look wondering. Look I taught you something today. You did, and thank you. I appreciate being taught. Uh, no, I was wondering who played that guy. That's that's a fun little fact. How come, and we don't give him any credit at the very end, do we? No, and he's not like in the regular, like there's teachers that will emerge over Saved by the Bell who are kind of the regulars, and uh, he seems to be more of a one and done. And yeah, Jesse with Belding is like, I mean, this scene is so funny that he would be so cavalier about a dying student. This kind of like conversation, you know, this, this, you know, classic sitcom stuff. Oh, Two oh, people oh, talk. We got to stop things. right here, though. See on on uh, uh, um, Belding's desk the pencils. Yes. How they're all perfectly lined up. Yes, I do. I think that was a Dennis thing. Oh, he was like a like he would do that. He would do that, and I I vaguely remember whenever I could, I would go into his office and just put one or the whole thing out of order. Oh, so you were like I, I was mean, an asshole, yeah. Psychological I mean, warfare, yeah. yeah I was, right. a, I was, a, I was a dick. Yeah, yeah, you were, you were like quietly driving him crazy. Yes. Wow. Yeah. What a that's again. That's very advanced scheming. <laughs> you must have had some kind of mentor. <laughs> but by the way, that was just me. Yeah, it was, oh, wow. uh, it was Mark Paul. I wasn't I wasn't in character at right. that time. I no, would just do it, you know, just to to fuck with him. Right. They cast the right kid for the job. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> but yeah, I do love the um, Belding's like big laugh on when she asks how long he's going to be around. He says two weeks tops and there's a snap. Uh, it's just so funny that he would be, you know, 
just so just so casually talking about this kid who's like dying very quickly. Yeah, I really enjoyed this scene. I think it was really well written. I believe. I, I think, right? I mean, you're the I, writer in this uh, I, room. I am the writer in this room. Uh, I think, and uh, yeah, no, I, I, it's again, I, I love it. I love, I love the the energy of Jesse being just like increasingly sad and distraught, yeah. <laughs> and like Belding giving her nothing other than just being like, oh, you win some, you lose some. Like, it's great. And that's all. That's all Jesse needs to believe that that Slater is dying. Also, in the next scene, uh, we're back in the classroom where you know Jesse is now fully on board with the whole thing. The way Zach like plants the seeds of these symptoms is rooted in Slater forgetting to meet him in the weight room. And I just thought that was funny that Slater would ever forget a trip to the weight room. I, I would think that's all he's doing at this time. And I don't think Zach ever went to a weight room. Yeah, it's like a double. It's like a double goof. Like, yeah. <laughs> I didn't hit the weights until I was sixteen. Yeah, you're. There's a stark physical contrast between you two in this. Uh, in these early episodes, what are you saying, Dashiell? I'm saying Slater looks like an adult uh-huh. man with muscles, and you are. Nah, you're still, stop. You're still young. Uh, okay. You have your youth here. Thank you. You're, you're very welcome. Overly dramatic uh, wailing by the uh, by the girls. Oh yeah, like they're just so like a chorus of of sadness, a Greek tragedy. Uh, I did the math here. Screech says these are five generations of ants. Ants can live up to fifteen years. So Zach is holding seventy five years worth of ants in that jar, and he's about to sacrifice them uh, just to get Slater to get up and do an itchy dance. And there's Mark Diamond. Yeah, walking in as the study hall teacher. Yeah, he kind of breathes some of the same air as Mr. Tuttle of being this like rotund, uh, rotund teacher. So I wonder if they kind of picked the lane after a while. And we see Yuri Henley in the background, really enjoying the uh, the itchy dance. The itchy dance, yeah. It almost feels <laughs> it. Uh, I, it almost felt like MC Hammer's dance, but that was like a year after this. But oh. it like the like the body movement, the kind of like upper segmented dancing. Slater sells it, and we're back in the hall. This is a. Uh, we get here like Zach's plan in full, you know, full steam ahead. Everyone just being super uh, shitty to Slater to like get him to hate Bayside, so he goes to Hawaii. Again, very intricate. I'm thrown off by the lockers. I, I really, I, I'm wondering why they're so orange. I thought it was my screen, but it- they, you're not wrong. I mean, they do look oranger than in other episodes. Maybe they, maybe they were orange for your first seven run, and then after that, they they reddened them up. I was really thrown off by the background artist on the uh, phone. Really took my my attention away from what was being said. That's all I could see. Yeah, she's making a meal of the conversation for sure. And uh, not the only background person on the phone in this episode. It, I mean, I I don't remember people just always being on payphones talking before the invention of cell phones. But that that seems to be the world we're living in at Bayside. And of course, Slater's missing trophy. The biggest possible, in, like people being mean to his face and telling him to basically drop dead. Yeah, he could take it or leave it, uh, but that trophy goes missing, and like he's he's ready to to fly across the ocean. And we're at the max, uh, and Slater announces that you know Zach's plan got to him, and uh, he's leaving. It worked, but it worked too well. And now, uh, selfless Kelly, Kelly wants to go with him. Ugh, Kelly. She mentions an uncle in Honolulu. That is. She has family in Hawaii. That is canon. You guys will later go to Hawaii for a, a TV movie. I remember going to Hawaii. I would imagine. Yeah, I would imagine that, that one would stick. Yeah, it's like off a, campus. Yeah, off campus. Right. Also, Slater's uh, Slater's dimples, which have been mentioned previously in podcasts. Implants. 
Right. We all know. I mean, it's Hollywood's worst kept secret that he has dimple implants. <laughs> dim implants. Dim implants. Yeah, right, dim implants. Uh, but they really seem to be like this episode highlights Slater, and you know, in a lot of ways. And I just, I, I could not. I, I was hypnotized. Like there, there's like a depth to these dimples that are. It does not feel natural or or normal. The implants theory is is strong. Do you remember if the description that you needed to have dimples and then when did you get your implants? <laughs> no, that was uh, my old man had them and then uh, <laughs> I ended up uh, I ended up just Wait. having them. And then uh, we've, we've uh, we, I think we've convinced the audience that those are actually dimple implants that they're not real. <laughs> it was, it was funny is when I was a kid I used to get teased a lot. Um, they used to say like I don't know why they call me Mario the Oreo. And uh, I think they said, oh, you look like you fit Oreos in there. It was, I don't know, guys, you know, the kids can be cool and shit. Uh, and then as I got older, girls started to like them. And then I was like, all right, they're, they're not so bad. <laughs> so, so it worked out. But I remember getting, like, messed with a lot uh, as a kid. And then, you know, what are you going to do? You can't do anything about them. And now both my See, boys have them. Both my sons have them. So hopefully they won't get messed with as much. <laughs> Did you take up, like, martial arts and wrestling because of, like, what came first, dancing or the, the wrestling? Dancing. Um, I was dancing like at three, four years old, and uh, and it was just my mom. And you know, you're so young, you didn't know what I didn't know uh, any better, but but to listen to her. But like again, growing up in my neighborhood and dancing, then you know, people they'll start giving you a hard time. But I didn't want to quit because well, I did want to quit, but I didn't want it because to let let uh, my mom down. And then she uh, quickly put me in wrestling at the boys' club, at the Chula Vista Boys' Club. And um, all my cousins wrestled and my uncles wrestled, so it was like an easy um, transition. And then I just kind of um, uh, gravitated toward it, and I liked it. So it, it sort of helped balance it out. When did you start lifting weights? Because you, you, you know that you're primarily the reason I started lifting weights at a young age was because of you. You got huge, too. You, you, were, you were a beast. <laughs> I, I take, I, I, I sort of have an addictive personality. I take things to the extreme. Uh, yeah, yeah. I <laughs> yeah, I remember that. You swelled up, quickly surpassed. Yeah. You know, I really didn't lift weights too much, to be quite honest with you. It was just a lot of the wrestling, and wrestling is, uh, like, if you look at any of these wrestlers, too, it's just, it's, it's sort of like a gymnast, right? They're, they're technically not lifting weights, but you, you just start kind of developing. In the bathroom, we get the first ever in-series Zach Morris timeout. Yeah, I guess it is the first timeout. See, I think they're just trying things out in these episodes because I do talk to the camera, mm -hmm. and then this is the first timeout. This is the first timeout. It almost raises some questions, like does Zach Morris have superpowers? Or, you know, like the, there's, a, there's a, a couple logic things you could ask, but yeah, he's able to freeze time, uh, which is, suffice to say, cool. But he doesn't really use it that much to like, you would think if you could really freeze time and you were Zach Morris, you would freeze time and like rob a bank. But mostly he just freezes time to like, you know, talk to the audience. He never robs a bank, Mar Paul. Spoiler alert. Oh. And then we're at Slater's house. Uh, for Zach just walking into this setup, you would, you know, you'd think Zach would, you'd think Zach would smell a setup, but he doesn't. He never does. And who lets Zach in the house? That's... <laughs> I mean, he just comes in, finds Major Slater in his office. Yeah, I mean, well, he, he like... While Slater goes out the back door. 
That's correct. You would imagine normal procedure for entering a home is someone opens a door for you and you walk in. Mm-hmm. You know, traditionally that's how homes work and doors work. I also like that he he so Slater and his dad are like hanging this giant American flag as a prop, which I cannot imagine the military man would be doing, but okay. And it, you know, he's like, <laughs> he's like, right. he's like, he's like, it's like, oh, you know, what's fun. A giant flag. Yeah. Um, but it's done to like, you know, it's done to visually look like Patton, which I get, got that right away. But then Slater has to say, I want him to think he's talking to Patton. I just thought that was a, a little handholding we didn't need. We already see the big flag. He's, you know, we get it. My first thought when I was watching this scene was who's going to pay for that desk when like he he smashes the desk yeah I, obviously that was a prop right obviously but in the world of the show yeah like, it, like you it, just wrecked your d- desk yeah I mean, sir it, sir yeah i mean i guess he i guess he really doesn't care <laughs> i almost it almost looked like they added wood like i thought what they would have done and, and, and again in the world of the show not production uh like Slater and his dad would add a little breakaway wood to the desk i don't know where they went to a hobby shop and got some balsa wood i don't know Maybe they're into building model planes. I don't know. That was funny that he said um, the Russians are in Burbank. Ah, 1990. I, I thought that 90s was funny. 90s, we're too. talking about Russians. We're still talking about the Russians. We're still talking about Russians. And uh, I'm glad that, I, I, th- I thought this scene had a few funny jokes in there. Just the rhythm of a uh, yes major, I'm a minor. I thought was a was a funny little <laughs> beat. Uh, but I'm glad you mentioned the Burbank thing. As previously mentioned, uh, this episode written by Michael Swerdlick. He also wrote 1987's Can't Buy Me Love, a big comedy movie. He was coming right off that. He wrote this episode of Saved by the Bell. And just for fun, Mark Paul, I watched Can't Buy Me Love yesterday. Never seen it. There's a Burbank joke in Can't Buy Me Love. Mm. So Michael Swerdlick at the time, just a little fun fact, he was into Burbank humor uh, while writing that movie and also this episode. I'll give you a little fun fact, Dashiell. This show, the one that we're watching, Saved by the Bell, was filmed in Burbank. Oh, Burbank, California. Burbank, California. The one and only. Is there another Burbank? I don't think so. Okay. You know, just just clarifying. Why did you say Burbank? California? I don't know, for fun. Okay. Yeah, it was, this was shot at the NBC Studios, which is still in Burbank. Right on. California. California. <laughs> the one in, the, oh, the, down the street. I know where it is. Yeah. There's an airport. In Burbank. Yeah, California, yeah. yeah. It's no longer called the Bob Hope. Is it called the Bob Hope? No, I think it's no longer called the Burbank Airport. Now it's called the Bob Hope Airport. I thought it was no longer called Bob Hope. It was just called the Burbank Airport. They took that from Bob Hope. I think. I don't think it goes that way. I think you can only give someone an airport name. I don't think you can like, like it's never not going to be Kennedy. Like I think once you give the airport name, it, it sticks. Oh, I can't wait to, to oh, I'm gonna get read lit about up on this Twitter. Yeah, yeah, someone's gonna wait. someone's gonna come for me. It's gonna yeah. be awesome. Bob yeah, Hope great. is gonna come for you. Oh, uh, he's gonna just dig himself up and hit me with a golf club. Oh, I, I boy. can't wait. Can't believe you went there, Dashel. Uh, I mean, he's I got went. an airport named after him, or <laughs> does, not? Does he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he, he does. may or may not have an airport named after him. Yeah, did, I mean, did they take away John Wayne's airport? Well, John Wayne had a little more controversy, I think, than Bob Hope. So, so maybe, maybe they did. Maybe, maybe you can get like airport canceled. I don't know. And, and then this, I do my little um, voice crack trope. Right, which we've established was you acting, mm-hmm. but also harnessing uh, the changes of your body at the time. Brilliant acting, yeah. you might add. You, you might add that, yeah. You might. And this whole scene kind of plays out um, almost like the opposite of a Belding's office scene for me. Like it is the, is like a nightmare in Slater's, uh, Slater's dad's study, capped off by a live grenade. <laughs> Uh, or at least the the presence of a live grenade, and Zach scuttling on out of there. So then we open up in the Max, and I think that's a charred French bulldog with an apple in his mouth. 
Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, I'm not sure what it is, but it doesn't look good. Um, whatever they're serving, and and yeah, I mean, they really took over the Max, and it these are not like light decorations. I mean, there's there's pretty massive uh, makeovers going on, and so we're supposed to believe that Zach doesn't know about this farewell luau. So let's see. Does Zach know about the fair? I mean, he walks in. Yeah. Screech gives him a dirty look. And then he says, Slater, is that you? Who else would it be? I mean, all Slater's wearing are sunglasses <laughs> and a lay on his head. He's also sitting next to a sign that says the word Slater. It says Aloha Slater three inches from his face. And boy, did they just love to dress the boys up as, as girls. Or yeah, I mean, dra- what do you want to call this? What I do mean, we call chi- this? It's like full Chiquita banana. That's what what Screech is doing. Uh, he looks like the sticker on a banana. Yeah, and he's about to break every moment. Like his face, it just makes me laugh. Yeah, I mean, this like very. It's like they pause everything for a little dance number, just to kind of just to inject some fun energy into the the Max here. Which again, like, can you imagine popping into the Max for your Thursday night cheeseburger or whatever, and you got to deal with this? I'd, I'd just be like, guys, I I come here all the time. Why why is there always some weird event happening? And I assume that Maria Henley choreographed that hmm. dance that we do for the audience. I yeah. mean, who else are we doing this hula dance for? I mean, you get real applause. I mean, it, people were, they got a show when they went to that taping. Also, Screech, you got to hand it to him for having the confidence to like still hit on Lisa uh, in this absolutely ridiculous outfit. And, you know, she shuts him down. And then the gift that we're supposed to give to Slater, a man-eating plant. What's the significance of that? Yeah, so if we're going to be rating good magic, bad magic, that's not even magic. That's not magic. It's like, that's like bad prop comedy, which is like, it's like somewhere in the mime realm of entertainment, just not highly regarded. So this is what I'm talking about. Zach walks in, he looks like, yeah. what the hell is going on here? He's got Slater's trophy that he had engraved. Right. He At, at the 24-hour engraver. <laughs> <laughs> he just popped over. Slater? Yeah, he, he does. You're right. I did not pick up on that. He, it's like, how did he? And he just knew to go to the max. That's where like everyone is all the time. But he didn't know about the luau. Right. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. some stuff got to him. Some stuff didn't. It's before cell phones. And I decide to leave, but the pineapple princess stops me. Yeah. Screech playing two roles, like the the kind of guardian and also like the demure dancer. And you know, we get the uh, we get the reveal here that Slater knew about it the whole time and. And it's okay, he's staying. And the girls are not happy about it. So at the end here, Screech does a gesture. Mm-hmm. That basically is my new greeting for 2020. Oh, like the like waving. It's the double wave? Yeah, double wave. And yeah. then the slimy thing? Yeah, a little bit of finger, a little bit of wrist action. Yeah. yeah. That, it's, a, it's a fun, that, that's good. That's my greeting, here it is. There it is. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, you gotta bring the face into it. Too. Yeah. yeah, That's my new greeting for 2020. I, I look forward to seeing that greeting uh, in the near future. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure, I had to, I had to Google this, so. Yeah, um, but thank was, you, thank yeah. you for taking the time. No, I did, but uh, now the FBI is probably gonna come knocking on my door, but I had to Google, is it illegal to carry a unloaded grenade? Right. Because Slater has one in his pocket, brings it to the max. Yeah. What did he find? Um, I'm not really sure. I don't think it is. Well, I mean, but the, I guess it's all about how you use it, though, right? Because, like, if you walked into a bank with that grenade, I don't know why I'm on bank robbery right now. I don't know. I watched Point Break over the weekend. If you walk into a bank with that grenade, uh, then it would be very illegal, even if it's not active. You know, like, you can't, you can rob a bank with a fake gun and still go to jail. 
Yes, that's a firearm. Yeah, but that's an explosive. Isn't that worse? I don't. Yes, I would think so. I would think that's worse. Like, but once you get, I mean, I would in in real life. Once you get in trouble, if you brought it to a diner and threw. Uh, I, I mean, if you brought that grenade to any, I mean, this is almost a school event. Yes, in real life, were you to bring a grenade into a diner, I'm sure at the very least they would not give you a novelty plant with chattering teeth. Uh, you'd probably be asked to leave. <laughs> and so this episode, it kind of, um, it's interesting to think about it as the seventh one you shot, which you guys didn't know if you were going to get more episodes after this. And it kind of bookends this season as it was originally written because in the first episode, which is now going to be like, episode 15, I think, King of the Hill, um, you and Slater meet and face off. And in this one, Slater has like stooped to your level. And now you guys are kind of on like, you're both in the doghouse with the girls, but it kind of brings the Slater story of the season. Uh, it kind of ties it up in a neat way. But that's not what happened. You guys just went on for a bunch more episodes in season one because you got a quick renewal. Um, but yeah, I thought that was neat. Also, just fun little fact about after this episode, my last little fun little fact, I promise, forever. No, uh, don't say that. Okay, just for now. Okay. After this episode aired, you had seven done. Uh, Peter Engel did not know if this would be a hit. No one did. He went to Brandon Tartikoff's office and threw essentially a tantrum until Brandon Tartikoff gave him 13 more episodes. He said, I'm not leaving your office until you give me 13 episodes or call security. And he laid down on the floor. <laughs> wow. Peter Engel laid down on the floor in Brandon Tartikoff's office while Brandon Tartikoff called various talent agencies and went about his business for about eight phone calls, as Peter Engel writes. And every time Brandon Tartikoff would end a phone call, Peter Engel would yell 13 or security. And finally, Tartikoff said, I'll give you 13 episodes. Get the hell out of my office. And that's how you guys got a quick renewal before anything ever aired. And it was after Aloha Slater. Really? Yeah. Uh, can, we, can we fact check that story? I mean, we could, I know two guys who we could fact check it with, but I, that's, again, this is as written in uh, Peter Engel's book. Uh, so maybe it never happened, but I, I'm inclined to believe it. That, that feels like a bold story to just to completely fabricate. It's Hollywood though, Dashiell. It is, it is, you're right. Do you remember anything about Brandon? Oh yeah, I love Brandon Tartikoff and what a legacy he left. Not only was he always very cool, I remember him, this is so random, but there was some sort of luncheon and he brought Will Smith uh, up at the stage. I don't know if you were with me. And Will was up there and he was trying to make some jokes. Nobody laughed. And then I remember Brandon said, don't worry, Will. They're going to be laughing later on and they're going to be laughing for a long time. You'll, you'll see. And I remember I say, and obviously he became, you know, one of the biggest movie stars. Um, but it's funny that, uh, Brandon was, uh, uh, the foresight he had and is the pioneer and just, uh, just a brilliant, brilliant guy. Do you remember anything about being in, in, uh, in Burbank, uh, on, on that lot? Um, yeah, stage nine. Were we in stage nine? I don't remember. I, I do. Re Studio Nine. The only reason I know that is because um, I've worked on that lot uh, a lot, and they have like, like a somewhat of like a little plaque on the on the show we used to, or pardon me, on the stage we used to work on. And then uh, they also did Fresh Prince either on that stage, coincidentally speaking of Will Smith, uh, on that stage or the stage right next door. I can't remember. It was either the same oh, stage. Oh, that or I stage remember. Stage. It was remember a, no, it was a stage across the way. It was okay. It was so a stage next door. It, it was just next door to us. Yeah. We shared a hallway with them. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, I do remember that. Yeah, right next door. Right. Yeah. So that was a, that was a fun lot. Now, did you always think that we were going to get canceled as a series? Would you, I mean, because you went back to school, you went back to Chula Vista, and just went right back to high school. Yeah, and we were lucky in the sense that because we were all minors, they. 
and it was to their advantage. We shot in the summertime, so they didn't have to mess mess too much with school. Sometimes we'd bleed into the into the fall, but for the most part, we shot a lot uh, in the summer. So I, I feel lucky, kind of having that balance. But um, yeah, I didn't really like. If, I, I I it didn't. It crossed my mind, but I wasn't. Uh, uh, stressed out about it or anything. I guess, you know, when you're young, or at least when I was young, I was just kind of, eh, whatever, you know, I'll say la vie kind of attitude. If it happens, cool. And if not, now, you know, you obviously think about that stuff a lot more. But back then, I don't think I was really, um, I didn't recognize the, uh, uh, the just the, the gravitas in the situation that it could have been all over at any moment. Well, that's the thing, too. We didn't have social media. We we didn't know the impact that this was making on our peers. Um, and we didn't re- realize how, how how deep the audience, like the, the reach was, right? So it's like we didn't have these tools that we have nowadays to, you know, look at the Nielsen ratings, to, to be on social and, and, and see the numbers. Um, I always felt like we were operating in, in our own little um, bubble. And, we, and, and, and then remember, in Saturday morning, it, it had sort of a niche following and a cult following on Saturday morning. However, it didn't really pick up a lot of um, huge fans and the momentum and the sort of cult following until it went into syndication. And then it kind of took on a life of its own. But prior to Saturday morning, like it was, it was popular. People watched it. It was cool. But when it went into syndication, didn't you feel that's when it really kind of went to another level? Yeah, 1996, it went into syndication. I think everything changed for us at that point. Yeah. Um, because you could watch the show, uh, you know, during the day after school. Right. Uh, it reached a whole nother audience. Right. Um, exactly. So when you went back to school, did did people know what you did or, uh, or or why you had left for a few months? Yeah, it was kind of a trip because I was the only kid I, that in this business that kind of like I went to a regular big public school. We had 3,500 kids in my school. Um. I just kind of wanted to kind of try to blend in. I don't think you blended in. (laughs) (laughs) So next week's episode is called The Substitute. And do you have any guesses here, Mark Paul? Just anything shot in the dark. I think I do. Um, um, I don't know the actress or the actor's name uh, that portrayed her, but I think it's like an older, it's a substitute. And I, well, no, that's the nurse. Ah, you remember the nurse. Well, because I've seen photos of it. Yes. That's not this one, right? No. Uh, then mm. I'm, I'm lost about the substitute. Okay, well, your, your instincts aren't totally wrong that it might be about new faculty showing up at Bayside, uh, perhaps a substitute oh, teacher. Mr. Belding's brother? You are wrong again. Oh. <laughs> uh, no, it's not that episode. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm so glad you have a you know, rough sense of some of the stuff that happened in the show. It feels like we're making a lot of progress here. And uh, please do your homework, Mark Paul. And thank you, Mario Lopez, for joining us. Yes, thank you, Mario. We'll see you next week. Zach to the Future is a production of Cadence 13. It's executive produced by Mark Paul Gosler, myself, and Chris Corcoran. Production and direction led by Terrence Malingone. Editing and mastering by Andy Jaskowitz. Engineering and production coordination by Sean Cherry. Artwork by Kurt Courtney with illustrations by Jeff McCarthy. Marketing is led by Josephina Francis with PR by Hilary Schuf. Thanks to the whole team at Cadence 13 and to you for listening.